Thanks for joining us for this episode of Centra Scripts, where we talk health and wellness and practical tips for your everyday life. And now here's your host, Kate Kolb. Well, welcome to this next episode of Centra Scripts. I am actually at the Heart and Vascular Institute today, and I'm sitting down with Dr. Pavlonis. And we are going to be talking a little bit about some, some care from the cardiovascular side of things as it relates to stroke months. So thank you so much for being here today and for taking time out of your very busy schedule to talk to us. It's Glad great to be to here and speak with you. Awesome. Well, I wanted to give you the opportunity, like I do at the beginning of all of these episodes, just to tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of where you've come from, what your specialty is, and what brought you to Centra. Well, uh, I'm a Virginia guy. I've been here all my life. I uh, trained up in New York in terms of my uh, general surgery and vascular surgery training. Um, But, you know, don't hold that against me too much. (laughs) But I'm so glad to be back in Virginia. I've been with Centra right under two years as a vascular surgeon, also uh, to a lesser extent doing some general and trauma surgery. I really like this particular area. There's a great hospital system, so I'm really happy to be here. Well, we're very blessed to have you here as well, and I hear lots of wonderful things about you and your practice. So again, thank you so much for for sharing your talents and time with us. I want to just kind of jump right in here um, to this idea, we're talking about stroke month. We're going to be talking in a part two of this, uh, this series with, with some of our team from the neuro side, but there's actually a really strong correlation between issues with stroke and cardiovascular care and heart issues. Correct? Yes. Yeah. So we wanted to kind of chat through that today a little bit. Um, and I, I guess let's just go ahead and get started with this idea of how does cardiovascular care play a part in stroke prevention? Well, cardiovascular care and stroke prevention, is, it's really taking care of your whole body mm-hmm. and uh, taking care of certain aspects kind of lead into uh, good health and, and other ways. So in terms of stroke prevention, really taking care of all of you is the most important thing that you can do. So with heart disease, peripheral vascular disease, these lend themselves to an increased risk or prevalence of carotid artery disease mm-hmm. that can subsequently cause stroke. Uh, specifically, where I'm involved with this as a vascular surgery is with uh, carotid artery stenosis, mm-hmm. um, dealing with uh, narrowing of the carotid arteries. The narrowing or stenosis of the carotid artery itself is not so much lack of blood flow mm-hmm. causing stroke, but more so small blood clots and pieces of plaque breaking off and Mm. and causing stroke. That's where I come in, uh, in terms of stroke preventative treatment. Um, Specifically, uh, there are several different modalities that I'm able to offer. One is in folks with mild to moderate carotid stenosis offering um, what we call best medical therapy, which involves several different medications, but primarily the use of a statin medicine and aspirin and typically a second antiplatelet medicine. In terms of more invasive type options, uh, fortunately at at our institute we have um, several great treatment options. Um, All of them have risks and benefits and advantages. Um, Those three would be carotid stenting, uh, similar to a cardiac cath procedure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another one would be carotid endarterectomy. That's essentially an incision on the neck where we go in and we clean out or rejuvenate the carotid artery and and basically repair it back to its original state. And then there is a a third hybrid procedure that involves 
replacement of a stent, but with a little bit better uh, stroke preventative type system that we've also brought to Centra and the Central Virginia region with very good results. Awesome. Well, that's great. I love that there are options for for patients that are dealing with this sort of thing. And the fact that here at the Institute, you all are very, very prepared to take care of those patients in that way and with, with really great outcomes. Um, let's, let's go back a little bit then and just have this real quick conversation about, you know, what are some of the leading causes of stroke and then also of, of heart disease in general? What are some things that people need to, to look out for in those respects? So there are many factors that can cause uh, stroke in terms of embolic uh, processes, atrial fibrillation. I'll let my cardiology <laughs> colleagues weigh in on a little bit more with that. Uh, embolic uh, disease from fractured plaque and carotid artery, that's something that I deal with. Um, also, uh, more so for the uh, neuro team would be hemorrhagic or uh, aneurysmal type processes mm-hmm. in the brain causing stroke. Okay. And then for heart disease, people that are maybe predisposed to heart disease or, um, you know, are there certain risks that people need to be more aware of in their life when it comes to, I, you know, I may be more predisposed to heart disease if I live a life like this? So, uh, for sure, smokers, uh, that's, you know, probably mm-hmm. the worst possible thing you could do to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, a, you know, fortunately somewhat of a modifiable risk factor that mm-hmm. stopping smoking and um Never starting again is, is always a good option. Um, also, there are some hereditary type problems that lend, lend themselves to higher rates of plaque buildup, and that's very important to know. And most folks, if they carefully look at their family history, mm-hmm. if there's a lot of strokes or heart attacks, being in relatively you know healthy people, um, being aware of that and okay. being screened is going to be of the utmost importance. Yeah. So being aware of maybe family history for sure and and things that you're putting into your body, of course, on a toxin level, of course, would be something to be aware of as well. So what then can the average person do to prevent heart disease and stroke activity in their life? Well, I think that one, seeing their uh, primary care doctor regularly and having, you know, regular physical is going to be very, very important. You'll be surprised at the things that... uh, they're able to find, and you know, fortunately, it's a you know life-saving service mm-hmm. uh, that they're able to provide. And then smoking cessation is mm-hmm. going to be now important. Talk about that for a minute, because when we talk about stopping smoking, my brain immediately goes to cigarettes. But are we talking vaping, and where do things like cigars and things like that come into play, and that sort of sort of thing? Uh, I think that it's any of that stuff mm-hmm. is not good for you, mm-hmm. and avoiding that completely just is, is going to be a best possible way of taking your your health seriously. Yeah, just eliminate it altogether. How do things like um, like diet and thing and things like that play into um, heart disease or stroke risk possibility? So maintaining a healthy diet and uh, a healthy, reasonable weight is going to be important, uh, not just for stroke health, but also for overall body health. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. All right, so for those who maybe would be more at risk for stroke, what kind of a patient, um, what kind of a patient would that normally be? Is that someone who has no prior history of any heart disease, or are patients more likely to have strokes if there is heart disease? And are there triggering factors that that go into strokes happening? 
That's a great question. Uh, so any of the patients that I see in my practice, uh, either they've been initially seen by cardiology and they're being referred to me for a vascular problem, I always have to tease out of their past medical history whether or not they've been screened for any kind of carotid artery disease because mm-hmm. uh, peripheral vascular disease and cardiac disease kind of lend themselves hand in hand right. to having some form of carotid artery disease. Okay. Uh, so with those types of folks, definitely recommend evaluation and, mm-hmm. and at least screening. Of importance, the uh, preventative, U.S. Preventative Task Force, they've kind of changed their recommendations in that unless you're symptomatic, ha- either having like a mini stroke or a stroke, mm-hmm. they don't recommend screening. I don't necessarily agree with that, okay. uh, especially in the, the folks that I see that are at such of an increased risk. Right, right. So for those individuals then that you said would be sort of predisposed um, to this, are there instances where stroke can be can just pop up without any type of, of a medical history background? Do you see that that often, or is it mostly tied to some sort of other health event? Commonly, I, I see that either it's something that has been, you know, unfortunately overlooked mm-hmm. in folks with other vascular or heart type issues mm-hmm. not very rare uh, not very regularly mm-hmm. but that, that still is a possibility right. in terms of an otherwise really really healthy person having this problem not so much in my experience mm-hmm. there are there are other kind of trigger issues that uh, that you would see before this okay so always good just to like you mentioned a few minutes ago um, stay in close contact with your primary care physician and Absolutely. make sure that those things are are well screened and that sort of thing so when a person does have heart issues, heart disease issues, or maybe a history of, of stroke-like activity, when would vascular surgery then be a, either a necessity or something that you would recommend? And how does that work its way into the, the treatment of that? So anybody that is symptomatic, regardless of their degree of stenosis, if they've had a mini stroke or transient ischemic mm-hmm. attack, that warrants further investigation, if not treatment, especially in the setting of carotid stenosis, because an unseemingly mild narrowing of the carotid artery disease can actually be something very bad mm-hmm. uh, in, in that particular case, especially when they're having those types of problems. I think that uh, our primary care doctors that we're partners with, they do a very good job of screening for carotid artery disease. Uh, and also monitoring it and providing the uh, best medical therapy. In terms of when I get involved with asymptomatic folks, it's when they kind of meet that threshold of uh, carotid artery stenosis. Mm -hmm. Typically that's in the 70 to 80% range where where we would get involved and either provide more closer monitoring at more regular intervals or providing therapy. Okay. And talking about, um, you know, one of the procedures that you all have just started here within the past uh, year, year and a half, really, this this thing, I will never say this correctly, but transcarotid artery revascularization procedure. Did I say that right? Yes. I said all the words correctly. Um, and this is a procedure that you actually perform here on patients that are, that are needing it. And talk a little bit about that and why that was an important additive to what you all do here at the Institute. So TCAR or the transcarotid artery revascularization, uh, it's, it's a 
fantastic procedure in that it kind of takes the best aspects of carotid endarterectomy and the best aspects of transfemoral carotid stenting and kind of marry these two together. In a patient that is anatomically acceptable to this type of procedure, meaning that the artery is accessible mm-hmm. and, and kind of the surgical risk is minimized, it's a, it's a great option in that it involves a small incision at the uh, base of the, at the collarbone mm-hmm. overlying the carotid artery, and we're able to go in and place a stent directly into the carotid artery. Kind of the real benefit with that is that the neuroprotection from any kind of embolic or plaque breaking off is fortunately minimized because of the flow reversal device that would mm protects the patient while they're getting this procedure. Typically, this is a over same-day, overnight procedure, okay. and so far, we've achieved our uh, TCAR Center of Excellence, so mm-hmm. we're the only one in the Central Virginia area that has this designation. So, TCAR is not for everybody, okay. again, because of um, certain anatomical constraints, but... Nonetheless, we still have other very good options, which are also transfemoral stenting. My mm-hmm. uh, Two of my cardiology colleagues, they do a fantastic job, and we collaborate regularly on patients that that would be a better option for. Mm-hmm. And the more old-fashioned procedure would be carotid endarterectomy, or basically carotid rejuvenation, which is a bit more involved, where we do have to make a little bit bigger incision, not much bigger than the TCAR mm-hmm. incision, but... Um, to clean out the artery directly. With the all three of these, um, fortunately, um, we have very good patient selection and very good providers being able to deliver the service. Mm-hmm. So our risks of risks and complications with this, we do a great job at minimizing this, and our complications across the board in all modalities of treatment is very low. That's great. That's awesome. So we've talked a little bit about all of these procedures and and things that you all offer here and that you offer as a provider. Is there anything else today that you would say to a patient who is concerned about the possibility of heart disease or preventing stroke? What would you what would you say to them? Well, in my practice, I, I see a lot of people that when they come to me with carotid stenosis or they've had a uh, mini stroke and are seeking treatment, this is a really scary thing for them and, mm-hmm. and rightfully so. I mean, this can either be life-changing, quality yeah. of life-changing, very, very serious thing. My, what I tell these folks is that having a good relationship with your medical team, including your cardiology team, your primary care team, um, your nurse practitioner, whoever you're seeing for, for care, just having a good close relationship yeah with them and relaying these symptoms a somewhat transient insignificant mm-hmm. thing may signify something that needs to be taken care of. Yeah. Uh, so I think that just having a good conversation with your, your medical provider mm-hmm. about concerns regarding stroke health is a good first step. And also knowing that the patients in the central Virginia area have excellent resources mm-hmm. that if, if they do need treatment. Yeah. And again, you know, those resources that you've mentioned here today, and we will have some of these additional resources online um, at our blog at centrascripts.com and on centrahealth.com. You can search for those there as well. So for our listeners that are tuned in, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. 
And thank you again for being here today as a piece of this this two-part conversation. That Thanks we're for talking to me. Yeah, absolutely. So we welcome you listeners to join in next time for part two of our Stroke Month conversation. 